to another episode of Bad Talks. That felt really relaxing. That's a different take from what you usually do. Uh, yes, like for it. those of you who don't know, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning here. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> well, we actually are covering various time zones today because we have a special guest, uh, Jess, with Datability. So we are on the Eastern Standard Time Zone, and she is all the way in Singapore. So it's like a whole nother day or night, actually, for her. So welcome to the show, Jess. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. By the way, I'm in Sydney, Australia. Okay. But I think Singapore might have a very similar time zone to us. So So for some reason, I thought you were in Singapore. Did you live in Singapore at some point or did I get it wrong this time? Are you, you, were you always in Sydney, Australia? Yeah, I've always been in Sydney, Australia. Okay. Maybe Maybe just the S. The Sing and the Sid, maybe. <laughs> or maybe, maybe I was thinking about another guest. Sorry about that. <laughs> nice, nice save. I, I, I really like how Jess is making Elizabeth feel like, yeah, it's no problem. You know, you have Sydney and Singapore. They're just, okay, yeah, nice. I know they're two different countries, guys, so please don't think I'm geographically challenged. I think what it is, we did talk to someone from Singapore a couple of weeks ago, so that's what I'm probably putting in my brain. Nice save. Nice save. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But anyway, Jess, welcome to the show. Oh, Jess yeah. is a, a relationship coach as well. And she uh, has a company called Datability. Why don't you tell people a little bit about the work you do? Yeah, I uh, definitely am so passionate about the single season, so maximizing the single season. I started out as a Christian dating coach because of my, you know, conservative Christian background, my upbringing. I was raised um, as definitely like a good church girl. And when I started dating coaching, it was because I found that there was a gap in the, the, the Christian dating market or the kingdom, I like to say. There was a gap in the kingdom of God um, where there were a lot of singles in the church who had no idea what they were doing. And uh, they would equate uh, being asked out on a coffee date as a marriage proposal. And I didn't understand why. Um, but I definitely specialize in uh, women who are really wanting to get married, usually women who are 30 and over and who are marriage-minded, so they want to get married, and they're seeking what I call secure attachment. Um, And they're striving to live by a certain value set, but deep down they've had a dark night of the soul. Like they they just feel like it's never going to happen for me, I've lost hope where all the good men, all the good men are taken or gay. Um, they, they just don't have any hope. Um, and so I really enjoy what I do. We do private one-on-one coaching and we are, we have been building a dating coach in your pocket app, uh, called romantic intelligence 101. And that's going to be an eight module course that uh, anyone, any woman can do in their own time. And there's also going to be a group coaching component to that, that my business partner, Ryan, will be taking the women through. Um, Because I think it's also important to have the male perspective, and I'm very blessed to have him on my team. Um, But basically, it's the foundations of knowing who you are while you're single, so you can choose your person. So you can be in the best place to choose your forever person. 
I like that. And I, I noticed that you have definitely uh, coupled a lot yeah. of people, meaning that you've been at a lot of weddings. If you go to Jess's uh, Instagram page, there's a lot of couples who invite her to the wedding because she's the reason or one of the reasons that they're able to kind of reestablish themselves, reestablish how they date and date smarter. So you were saying there's kind of a gap in the Christian world, a little bit around dating. So I want to go a little deeper into that. Um, what are some of the things you've learned? Because I, I do think there are people out there that do have certain values and still want to find people who are aligned to those values because when you're not equally yoked, right? Equally, yeah, equally uh, yoked, it can be very, very difficult, right? If not impossible. So, how have you helped yeah. people kind of break through those uh, barriers or gaps? Oh gosh, it, to be honest, it is very, very difficult uh, to be biologically wired for. I'm just going to say it, but biologic, biologically wired for having sex. Um, you know, I think that when uh, it was written in the biblical text that uh, you must keep the marriage bed pure, no hint of sexual immorality, all those things that uh, Christians now uh, still hold dear to their heart. They, there are so many uh, women who are still virgins at age 40 even uh, that I've de de definitely coached. Um, it is so hard for them to maintain this standard of, no, I'm only going to seriously date a Christian man and we're not going to have sex until we're married. Like that is a very, very difficult thing. Um, and so, so I, th I think that what I mainly work on or the common theme amongst the clients that I've worked with over the years is the fact that uh, they're, they're sort of accepting the status quo. They're, they're, they're too accepting of the status quo. And what I mean by that is, you know, Elizabeth, you and I had this conversation about how we abhor dating apps. Well, maybe not abhor dating apps, but we we are probably a bigger fan of uh, just growing in confidence a little more to open a conversation with a stranger in the supermarket rather than relying on um, Bumble, Coffee Meets Bagel, um, all the dating apps. I don't know what's available in the US, but uh, those are the really big ones. Hinge, that's a really big one here in Sydney, Australia. Um, <clears throat> but there is this over-reliance on this uh, introduction tool and and then there's a complaint that it's not giving enough options or um, the people on there aren't good quality enough. And I just think, well, why haven't you gone out there and actually spoken to someone in real life? And so I... I we're trying to break out of that mold of yeah an over reliance on technology and to and to you know maximize the self. So the personal growth element is really huge for us, um, and uh, you know as I said, secure attachments really big for us. And so that is looking into. Um, I was gonna uh, the, the the term on my mind is childhood trauma and overcoming that, but. The way that we grow up, you know, I did share with Elizabeth in a conversation earlier about how I I was always um, geared towards romance. I was a hopeless romantic as a child and a teenager because my emotional needs were not met by my parents as a child. I was never really truly seen for who I was. And so um, romance, I turned to romance to fill that hole in my, in my soul, essentially. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, what was I saying? But basically, Mr. Wright does not fall out of the sky is essentially what I'm trying to say. Um, uh, I think I've, I'm going on a, on a tangent. 
can, can we, and that's can fine. We direct me back. No, that 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 that's yeah. fine. That's that's the whole purpose of bed talks. Is literally you're talking whether you're going off on a tangent, coming back in, in, into the scheme of things, you know. And and no, we love it seriously. That's why you know. No, it's not scripted. But I, I have to address some things that you've said, Jess. And I really like mm -hmm. um, the part where you mentioned Mr. Wright does not fall from the sky. Now it does not. That concept, that concept will damage a lot of women's confidence in believing that there is a Mr. Right. Now, let me ask you something. You're right. Mr. Right doesn't always just fall from the sky. But how would you address some of your 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 Christian um, um, customers, your your Christian liaisons? How would you address with them that? Yes, there is a Mr. Right out there, a Christian, hopefully Mr. Right out there. What are some laid back ways that you can find that Mr. Right or just believe by faith that that Mr. Right will eventually, you know, come into, uh, you know, come into your life. Because a lot of times it's not about mm -hmm. us searching. It's just about you having the faith to believe that eventually that Mr. or Mrs. Right will, you know, will sometimes fall right at your doorstep. Yeah, it's such a good one because I'm going to quote Ariana Huffington who says, life is a dance between letting it happen and making it happen and there's a lot of talk um especially on instagram in the relationship space about masculine and feminine energy uh and there's definitely a polarity there uh there's a sliding scale as modern women we're very influenced by the feminist movement and so we've taken on a lot of masculine qualities and there's nothing wrong with that i used to manage a huge mental health team for work I, i've been a social worker for 11 years and I love being the boss. I love, you know, um, hiring people, firing people, lead, leading a meeting, um, you know, doing a presentation, like killing it in the boardroom. I love all that stuff. But too much being in that mode, too much of being in that energy, and I am exhausted. Like, I just want to... Um, I don't know, wear feathers and set a bu bubble bath and, and just melt into my husband's arms after all that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm treating I, it like a bit of a novelty. I'm, I'm sorry. I had to give you a truthful, a true applause. That's what you hear. So ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Jess. When I, that applause doesn't come that often. That's a true applause. What that means is you are probably the first woman, and I am so serious. Mm -hmm. I'm with one who's very business oriented. She, of course, loves being the boss, but you are probably the first I can recall who's ever said, yes, I love taking on some of these masculine, you know, traits. I love being the boss. I love firing. I love yeah. hiring. I love running things. So we just have to give that up to you because it's you your have came totally clean with a lot of people, women per se, don't. They paint the picture like, no, I just I just like, you know, being a woman and, and not necessarily being in those capacities. But you do because it's pleasure and it's, in, it's enjoyment in running a particular, you know, conglomerate, a business or anything of that nature. Women have been doing it for years. You guys have been the boss for years. Yeah. You manage your household. You manage your children. You manage your husbands. You know, so it, it, it's not like it's something he looks brand to, he new. He looks to the left. Oh, what are you saying? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> he looks to the left when he said that. <laughs> so, no, I, yes, I, I, I really appreciate, uh, appreciate your, your candidness and your honesty on that. And let's lean into that because I, I think that is a challenge. Like women do want to be strong and they want to be empowered. And for a long time, 
they have been held, you know, back. And, and now is, is a time where women have feel like they can really um, go into their power of like what brothers running a business or, you know, being able to do some things independently that they couldn't do before. So how does a woman taper this, you know, when she's in a relationship? What, what's, what's the right balance? You know, because you don't want to totally lose yourself in a relationship but at the same time i agree with you when you have masculine masculine energy it's like yeah you come home and you tell your husband he's fired you're fired (laughs) you didn't cut the grass you didn't paint the wall you're 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 fired you know you you just left the office you know you left the (laughs) office environment and yes like you said jess you've hired some people you've counseled some people you've fired some people you've corrected some people (laughs) now you come home the grass isn't cut fired how do you manage that? <laughs> how how do you find that balance like Elizabeth is, is, is asking in your opinion? Oh, such a good question. Um, to be honest, it's something I am daily wrestling and grappling with, like my feminine energy. What does that mean? Uh, like, and it's such a confronting thing. And I'm sure Elizabeth, you can relate to this, but you've got your clients who are asking you, how do I connect with my feminine energy again? And when I remember the first time a client asked me that, and I was like, um, you've read a bubble bath? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, I'm not sure. And, I, um, and like, you know, granted, given that I've, I've, re- I've just finished a whole module called Radiate Feminine Energy with like five lessons um, about your feminine energy in, in Romantic Intelligence 101. And, you know, part of it is, activating your feminine essence through your body. There's a certain walk that we do. There's understanding your hips and your pelvis and how the feminine energy resides there. But essentially, conceptually, it is about um, uh, the yin and the yang. Oh, oh my gosh. Which one is yin and which one is yang? I'm always forgetting this. But... Um, we get uh, we get it. You know, the importance of... I mean, you guys are probably a beautiful polarity together as a couple, but... Um, you know, you understand that if there is not a polarity of masculine and feminine, there is no sexual tension. And that is dangerous if there's no sexual tension. And so I I addressed, I had a, I did a live today on my Instagram about um, relationships and money, which is, I know, a very, very unsexy topic. But um, uh, like, I'm finding that uh, I call her the Wonder Woman, so that the woman who is financially independent, she's running her own business, she's very strong, and she's very ambitious, and she is a force to be reckoned with, and she, like, owns three houses, and she's really scary, like, she's, she's amazing, she's very accomplished, um, and the, the, I guess the thing that she's got to grapple with is the adjustment of her expectations of what kind of man she will attract um which i know i'm not going to be popular for saying this and people are going to cancel me right now as i say this say but, it. Um, say it. Uh, <laughs> gosh. um but uh perhaps if she wants to take up so much space and i don't i don't say that in a derogatory way or in a, in a way to, to cut her down but like um a feminine a more feminine man who, who is happy for her to lead and be front and center might suit her better because he actually might be a better support to her. Um, And I think that if a woman listening to this identifies with that description I just gave of the Wonder Woman and she's thinking, what, a feminine man? No, that's not me. That's not me. Um, I would ask her to to look at her reality because the reality is um, if if she's bringing a lot of masculine energy to the table, then she's going to attract feminine energy back. 
So I've just, you know, I, and I, I'm re- we've really tried to cut and, cut it and slice it in different ways with, with the women that we coach, but it's just a reality. There's no other way that I can say it or... or, or... So you said something pretty interesting. I want to go back to that. Like you said, if you're bringing that masculine energy to the table, then what you attract back is going to be opposite. Mm-hmm. And the reason why there could be friction with you trying to match with someone that's highly masculine too is because you're emitting that energy. So how do women learn to kind of balance their energy levels? Because when you're running a business and you're owning your three houses mm. and you're running like mm. a team, that's totally different skill sets than when you come into a relationship. So how do you coach that woman mm. that says, but I don't want a feminine man. I want a, a man that's like strong because I know I'm strong too. And I need that balance. So what, what, how would you coach a woman through that? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can really say besides, you know, the NLP techniques that we have or like, you know, doing, doing that, those really traditional coaching techniques that we do, um, going back to childhood and, and you know seeing if if her masculine energy is coming from a wound like coming from the fact that she needs to take control because uh when she grew up her father didn't take control so therefore she had to step into that masculine role for example um mm. the, the only way i can describe it from a personal point of view is the fact that i really really enjoy being around masculine men and I can feel myself stepping back and not in a disempowered way in a, Oh, I can relax now. This is really nice. Uh, and when I, when I feel, um, the, the sense of I can let go, uh, I don't know how else to sell it. Like that, that's just the best way I can sell how great it is to get in touch with my feminine energy. Um, it is the, uh, and this is a very Christian thing to say, but the submission to my husband's leadership, like I'm so happy to submit to my husband's leadership because I respect him so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said this today in my live about money, but and, and I, I keep referring to things I said to Elizabeth in the other conversation. <laughs> um, I really respect my husband's knowledge about the world, about he understands how, how business works on an intimate level. Um, he just has a lot of sense when it comes to um, like the economy uh, in terms of our investments. Like it's just really sexy to see how disciplined he is when it comes to those things. He is a true provider and protector of myself and my baby. Um, and yeah, to know that I don't have to control every lever and I don't have to take care of everything is really nice. I think that is for me what feminine energy is right now. So, I, you know, it, it, that, that sounds great. It, it does. How you hold yourself, how you hold your husband in high esteem. Um, you know, you used, a, a, like you said, a Christian term, you know, uh, uh, did you say submit or, or su- submissive, I believe was the term that, that you use. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, that's something that is considered taboo now, because there are a lot of women who uh, feel like that's a chauvinistic way of just keeping me in my place and doing whatever my husband says. But you make a good point when the husband or a man is in the place of leadership and the woman trusts him, and Elizabeth, me and Elizabeth talk about this, and a woman trusts, you know, his leadership. Gradually, 
she will start to, and I don't want to even say the term submit. A woman can say it, but when a man says it, it, it gives a, a different, different meaning. But when the woman really starts to see his leadership and is willing to, to follow per se, and, and, and maybe take a step back because he is taking, taking hold the reins, I think that's, that's something that creates another level of balance because she's had to do everything for so long by herself, but now she's almost, it's like being in the driver's seat. She's been in the driver's seat for so long. Now her husband is telling her, look, get on the passenger side. I'll drive. But she's not really trusting him yet because she's looking at him telling, turn, oh, stop, break, don't, you know. I'm just using that analogy to now where she sees, wow, we got from point A to point B safely. And matter of, as a matter of fact, you took a better direction with you driving. Now, I think that does play a part in her being more comfortable. Now, how long does it take? Who knows? You know, some women, it takes longer. Some women, it doesn't take as long. But when she's confident in from what I'm hearing from you, when she's confident in her man taking the lead, even though she's just as strong, you know, she's just as capable. Mm -hmm. I think that allows her to focus on other things that may be more on the feminine side, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, on a really practical level. I mean, you guys have been a married couple for way longer than, than I've been married to my husband. And so you know that masculine and feminine is to uh, is is the teamwork of the equal division of labor. So like from a really, like a housework point of view, um, you know, I deal with everything on the inside of the house. I love cooking. Um, don't love laundry as much, but I don't mind like throwing the clothes into the machine. Um, um, but I love, I love, you know, like making sure the house is comfortable that like the, the, the throw mug, the throw rugs match the cushions, for example. And my husband, you know, mows the lawn and, and deals with the outside, the bins, the dirty work. Like I couldn't do it without him. And I don't think I would want to like partnership is fun and it's, and it's, um, I think it's, I feel, I feel at home in my partnership with my husband. And I think that, like, you know, you made, you brought up a good point. I mean, I was fortunate enough. My parents were married like 57 years and I had grandparents that were married 60 years. And then I had aunts and uncles when they got married, yeah. they stayed married 40 plus years. So I saw a lot of partnership. I saw where it worked well and when it didn't work and none of them had perfect relationships, right? Even being married for a long time, there's going to be things that are, grievous that your that your significant other does to you or your husband or wife but i think one thing that i did observe is that when you can partner in t and lean into your you know your your husband or wife the right way that is such a dynamic um reckoning you can get so much more accomplished uh, when you feel like you don't have to shoulder everything and so I, I like what you said that i think for the woman that it has a lot of masculine energy it is important to go back and kind of figure out, okay, why do I feel this way? What have I been through that's made me kind of come here? And then as they are in relationships mm -hmm. with men to kind of look at it and say, okay, as I'm dating, okay, can I trust this guy to do this? Let me see what happens when I allow this person to lead here. Because I do feel like when you feel mm -hmm. comfortable um, with the leadership, naturally you should let things go. You should allow that person to lead. And, and mm -hmm. I understand that can be really difficult because people, to your point, do have some trauma around leading mm -hmm. but i do feel like men are confused now like i've had situations where men are like should i open the door should i not open the yes. door are you going to be offended that i'm doing this thing for you are you going to be offended that i'm complimenting you even if it's not always in like a derogatory or highly sexual way because we, there is so much that's happened in society that's amped up people's level of kind of paranoia because of the consequences right nah, of some of this but but i can understand a man feeling that way if he's in the workplace mm -hmm. 
You know, I'm afraid to compliment mm. her because of the Me Too movement, you know, but as it pertains to someone that you're dating, I, I just I, I don't think a man should be reserved as far as opening the door. If it's in you to do, if that's who you are, that's the card you want to show. Um, you know, if, if you're if you're always compliment, you know, complimenting someone, whether it's the person you're dating or anyone, you shouldn't stop. I don't think you should stop that because you're afraid you may offend her for complimenting her. No, I and I, and let me be clear. I'm just saying, like, I feel like people bring in their dating habits based on their relationship habits, based on what they've observed, what they've grown up around. So I think for some men, like, like Kay is very chivalrous, like. He sees me doing something, lifting mm. something heavy. Kay's going to come and say, hey, let me get that from you. Sometimes I'm like, I got it. And he's like, stop. <laughs> I got it. And I've had to learn to lean into my feminine energy and be like, oh, he's got it. Like, it's okay. Um, and, but at the same time, I don't think that's everyone's natural reaction. I mean, I, you know, before being married to Kay, there were guys I would date that would definitely do the check-in or like call, make sure, let me know you got home or let me know you're safe or let me open a door for you. But there were definitely some men that they did not, that wasn't their comfort zone because it wasn't something um, they saw models. So I think there's a lot of learning. Well, that's the purpose you know? of dating. And I think, you know, Jess, you would probably agree. That's the purpose of dating is finding out who each person is, being your true self, you know, and then making an assertion and a determination. Is this the person that I could see myself maybe going to the next phase of this relationship or not? I, you know, mm. I have a saying, you know, it's a time to get rid of or remove the rose petals. Uh, Elizabeth has heard this before. What that means is the rose petals, based on my experiences, is nice to, to, to wine and dine a person of interest. But then as you start to mature, at least I know when I started to mature, all right, it's time to remove the rose petals because we know this and you know this as well, Jess. Love can sometimes be blinding. And blinding in such a way that you do not see the foundation of the person that you really, truly need to see. So my analogy of removing the rose petals is like, OK, all the whining and dining is kind of, you know, pushed to the side for the most part. And I really want to get to know you and I want you to really get a chance to know, you know, me without all the extras, you know. Without all the frills. I mean, this is why shows like The Bachelor uh, and the, the bachelorette like all those fancy dates with the seaplanes and like that's not real life and how are you getting to know each other when there's right. a camera shoved in your face it's so confusing to me yeah it's a but lot yeah, no, it's I a lot love that rose petals. love it so what do you think like you know you've seen a lot of couples um get married so you've gotten people to that point probably yes. some women that had a lot of masculine energy you know shift that energy and really lean into their feminine energy you probably help some men as well because I know your your partner Ryan is a guy, so I'm sure some guys come to you as well. I mean, what do you feel like yeah. um, causes that shift in someone's mind where they're kind of like, oh, they have that aha moment? Because you said you were at a wedding recently. Me and Jess talked a lot before mm -hmm. this podcast, and at the, the I can I, I can see I I mean really. <laughs> and at the wedding, you were saying you were so surprised by some of the things the, the couple mentioned. Because sometimes as a coach, you can't see the work you're doing always. Sometimes you see some of the effects for sure. But when you hear your, yes. your clients really articulate it, you're like, oh, I didn't know you thought about it that way. So what were some of the things that you heard from yeah. that couple that ended up connecting? Because you said they were kind of holding themselves back from relationships. <laughs> um, the, the couple recently that you were at their wedding not that long ago, most recently. Very hot holding themselves back from I didn't hear that I think you were saying like they were kind of holding themselves back a little bit and they realized it as you were coaching them um kind of some of their perceptions mm -hmm. of relationships or 
how they could enter into the relationship. I, I can't remember all the details we talked about because we talked for a long time. <laughs> mm. But I was just curious. Like, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you, I mean, what did, what was their feedback of what kind of helped them when they work with you to really connect to one another? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Ryan worked closely with the woman. Um, so I can't speak on that per se, but I did have them over for dinner quite a few times. So on a friendship level with... Well, full disclosure, the, the man that I set my female client up with, um, they happened to live like two minutes from each other oh, wow. in the same suburb in Sydney. So I was like, well, if I'm going to set her up on a first date, it might as well be this guy because he's local. <laughs> so, you know, I just sort of by convenience set them up. And he happens to be a really good friend of my husband's and had become a good friend of mine. Anyway, long story short, um, uh, I, I don't really, I think that, you know, for her being a single mother, she had had to be the mother and the father for so long. And it was a real process of her letting go of personal growth. Um, I didn't realize that she was chasing personal growth so hard. I mean, that that's what her best friend said in a speech at the wedding. Um, and I, I didn't realize that um, the, I guess the clinch point for her were, um, you know, the, the pandemic brought out some issues between them and then, and I guess solving certain problems during the pandemic that really brought them closer together. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to- It sounds like, here. I mean, I think what I'm, I think what I'm going towards in, in this is that a lot of times people, I like what you said earlier, they think Mr. Right falls out the sky, but I think there's so much foundational work that you could be doing on yourself in the interim yes. so that when that person yes. does come you're yes. positioned appropriately you can even you can see it because sometimes you can have people around you because i'll hear women say and we talked about this too there's no good men yes there are there are good men sometimes though you're so closed off you can't see it because you haven't done like the inner work yet mm. and what it, what i'm hearing from you is yeah. in, in that particular situation is that she was chasing that personal growth but she had to do that inner work but it doesn't mean when she met that Mr. Right, it was still easy for her to let go and say, okay, now you take over mm -hmm. that more of the traditional father roles in this relationship. She still had to go through that process because that was a different type of skill set versus her being on her own, you know, getting that uh, personal yeah. growth. So it took some melding together. It, it took some time. It took some problem solving and some partnerships. So I, yeah. I just thought it was a, a good story. I remember you sharing that with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry I couldn't do it justice. I think... You know, with you saying, um, I mean, she, I don't think she might mind me sharing this. She said, I dated a lot of turkeys and um, turkeys meaning like frogs, I guess. You need to kiss a lot of frogs before you get to your prince. Um, but she, okay, put it this way. When I, my matchmaking journey has not been easy. Like as a dating coach, I have found matchmaking such a roller coaster of, um, of me just trying too hard, me getting too involved. Like sometimes I would um, buy the tickets for the, the couple, like to a comedy show, for example, and then I'd physically go on the date with them, introduce them to each other and then leave. And I'd be like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, you were leaning it hard. <laughs> I know, totally. Or they would, um, they would start dating uh, for a number of months uh, to a year and every time they had a problem, they would call me and I'm, I'd be like, why am I doing this? And so 
when it came to Sally and Aaron, um, they, they, like Sally had just, uh, she'd gone through the ringer in being open to dating anyone of good character. Like that, I, that's a line straight out of Cloud and Townsend's boundaries in dating. That they're Christian psychologists that have written a lot of literature on boundaries, which I love. Um, but I love their line on date anyone of good character. So stop overvaluing good looks. Stop overvaluing the BMW. Stop overvaluing things that 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 are that are temporary and don't matter. Um, like look at the soul and the character of the person. And, and you know, Sally had, uh, you know, I think she had uh, paid for the mistake of overval- overvaluing certain things, which is why she was in the predicament she was, and then chased her personal growth. And um, when she had met Aaron, she was like pleasantly surprised at how easy it was. Like I think she just had surrendered herself to the process of, meeting someone so nice and so 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 chivalrous um yeah and just thinking of like I think thinking of them makes me smile a lot because they're just such a beautiful couple and I'm just praying to the Lord that I I get more opportunities to do that because I think when I mean you guys probably feel it all the time like every time you hear a good news story from your work you're like oh my gosh that's the impact I'm making on the world and then you start crying for a bit and then you're like all right on to the next thing (laughs) right exactly exactly let me ask you how does how do you how do you equate having a good dating um, uh, experience to transcend Mm -hmm. over into a good marriage experience and let me let me let me tell you why I asked that because of course Elizabeth my wife she's she's a dating coach and I've never asked her this this is, this is the first time I'm posing this question. How does good dating lead to a good marriage? Because so, many, so much emphasis is put on the dating scene now. And yes, I know emphasis is also put on the marital scene. But remember, they, they, there's a string that connects the two. So how, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Should take a sip of water for that mean, one. Uh, <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Do you mean dates in isolation or do you mean the whole dating journey, like the early dating stages and then choosing to, yes, this is my person? Correct. But it's actually twofold. And you, you, the okay. way you just phrased it, that's what, yes, twofold. Isolation mm-hmm. as well as just, I mean, because that's what you guys do. You know, you, you have yeah. customers that you date, whether they're heavy in the dating scene or whether it's one in particular that they are dating. You know, so how do how does successful dating transcend into a successful marriage? If you know, again, whether it's with that one person or whether it's with multiple people that you have dated over a period of time. Yeah, I think that's such a a beautifully articulated question. How does dating scene transcend into a good marriage? Because um, I say this all the time, and not everyone agrees with me, especially people in in the Christian context. But I believe that dating is personal development. Like I had learned so much about myself when I was um, filling my shadow values of validation and attention. I wanted to know that I was a pretty girl. I wanted to know that men would swipe right on me on a dating app. I wanted to know that a man would ask me for my number. Like I think every woman needs to come of age, go through that rite of passage, have that validated in herself. And then when she gets over it, then she starts going, okay, now it's time to actually find a husband. Like I've had enough fun now, you know, going about the dating scene. Um, I I just want to quickly share this, but 
I become so adept at uh, first dates. I was so good at first dates that I I could if I wanted to, and I did for a period of time. Like, and I'm ashamed to say that I had uh, almost used men for free dinners for like two months of my life. Like, it was terrible, terrible that I did. I don't think that's a good thing. Sorry for all the men listening to this who were like, "Hey, I dated that girl." <laughs> the thing is that, but yeah, I know it's so funny. But like, I'm, I'm a such a big believer that you can't be competent at something you haven't tried and failed at. So the the whole dating journey is: who am I? Who am I to the opposite sex? Am I attractive? What does it mean? What do I want in a man? All those things are things that everyone should go through when they're dating. Which is also why I advocate for starting dating early and not choosing a marriage partner too quickly. I mean, I was reading a an article by Dr. Ariel Kupenberg of like the University of North Carolina in Greensboro, but she had said, she was talking about like, does living together before marriage increase uh, the risk of divorce or um, is it something else? And so there was, you know, she had learned in her research that if people are living together before age 23, so they're doing kind of adult things without actually having the maturity to, then they're more likely to make those long-term mistakes. Um, but so, yeah, but it's really about the maturity of the two people and the preparation they do before making that huge decision of who to marry or who, who, who's my forever person. And I think, um, yeah. And so, yeah. No, I was just going to say, and I think what you're saying, and and I'm going to go back to Kay's question, is I do think that dating, you you said something I like, dating is personal development. So, like, I think if you are developing good dating skills, they should translate into your marital skills. It should be a nice transition. So, like, just like you talked about that couple that struggled, you know, she struggled, she had a lot of masculinity because she was a single mom. When you're a single mom, I've been there, Kay's been single dad. You got to manage all sides and you're still, there's some gaps. You're not covering everything, but you're doing the best you can. But, but you just, you're so used to just taking on things. You become very resourceful. You may lean into people for certain things, but you are usually caring so much. So when someone else comes along, there is definitely an adjustment period of you allowing and leaning and trusting them to do some of the responsibilities that you're used to doing on your own so i think what you are saying like with that dating and personal development building your foundation getting to know who you are getting to know now okay you developed that good solid foundation now you're dating someone transcending that into the dating part because i think that's where people struggle they're like i'm great on my own but then when you get in a relationship it's not that you're not great in the relationship it's just that a relationship will task you and test you in totally different ways than being on your own will test and task you. So dating, oh, somebody so somebody could be a tremendous dater, mm-hmm. but then when it comes to having the relationship part and really having the longevity, they could struggle because it's just, you know, when you're in a relationship with someone, they become like a mirror to you. They're holding you accountable. It's, it's, it's a different Absolutely. dynamic, right? And so I think what you're saying, though, is if you can develop good communication skills like this couple did, the pandemic was really hard on relationships, mm-hmm. but there's still a lot of relationships that yeah. thrived after the pandemic and through the pandemic because they found ways to reconnect, regroup, mm-hmm. communicate, reevaluate their relationship. And then there's some relationships that didn't survive, but I think those relationships already were on edge probably. But it's just that they had, once mm-hmm. that pandemic happened, they didn't have the outlet. It really mm-hmm. tested the relationship. So I, I, I just like that term. You said dating is personal development. And 
if you do it the right way, I, I think you should be able to develop those skill sets when you're in a relationship that should carry over to marriage. But I think the challenge is sometimes people date to get married, but then once they secure the marriage, they mm. drop right. all the things they built yes. <laughs> to could create the experience to get yes. them married. And it's I and I think growing. it's and it's right. hard. It's continual because people are like, well, when does this stop? It doesn't stop. It's not supposed to. And stop, it's right. it's continuous. And so if you're not comfortable with that, you're probably a better dater than a person in a relationship. But if you understand, okay, it's going to take constant yeah. personal development. Like your friend that was, you know, chasing the personal development is going to take me constantly shifting because as we get older, as we gain more maturity, things are going to change. What we prioritize is going to change. Having a family is going to change our relationship mm-hmm. dynamic. I think when you think of all of those pieces and you're realistic about it you can you know encounter it a lot differently and i'm gonna be honest with you i want to switch gears right quick because i know that you are you know Mm -hmm. a believer um uh you know follower of christ you counsel people in those areas you mentioned earlier that there are some who want to remain celibate because of their faith until marriage which is a beautiful thing especially in this day and time i can only imagine how hard it is to try to remain faithful to your, you know, to your Lord, to whom, who, who you serve, because you want to be pure. But let's be real. Some people fall short and I call it flesh victory. OK, there are times when the flesh, OK, has act has actually won. Thus, the term I've, I've used flesh victory. How do you recover from a flesh victory let's say for example you may have fallen short you know your your emotions your 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 feeling for this for this man or or for this woman sexually because we are sexual beings a lot of christians don't want to say that but we are sexual beings that's why god said be fruitful and multiply in the right manner of course but how do you recover from a flesh victory and how would you counsel or have counsel some of your you know clients you know persons uh friends who are trying to recover from a unfortunate flesh victory? Mm-hmm. I've got to be honest, Kay, and say that, like, I was someone who uh, was a virgin when I got married at 31, and I was very proud of that, and so was my husband. Um, and the people that I have coached, majority have stayed celibate before marriage. Um, And their way of staying celibate was to not shine, like their femininity didn't shine. They, 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 They weren't in touch with being a beautiful woman. And so, you know, it's not like they had many chances to be tempted anyway. Like that, that's kind of how they survived that desire. Um, But there were other flesh victories, as you, as you put it, like, like uh, an obsession with pornography, for example, or masturbation or all those other other kind of sins of the flesh. And I think that, oh, that's a really hard question. You've really asked me a hard question. And I, and I think the answer to that, honestly, is you gotta, you got to believe that Jesus' blood covers you. Like you've got to accept that um, the blood of Jesus covers you and that his grace is real and his grace is renewed every day. Um, and oh, I think I'm going to cry as I talk about this, but like, you know, people are so mired in shame over mistakes they made years ago. And they think, well, that disqualifies me from this, this beautiful vision of a life that I want, this beautiful vision of marrying this wonderful man who's godly, who will lead me and, and my fam- my future family and having children with him. They think, well, like, I, I can't have that life because I'm, I'm damaged goods. But I can, I can attest to the fact that there are so many people who um, they, 
they they put a fork in the ground and say no jesus but covers me and they choose to step into the grace of god like they choose to just step into their future that's awesome. all i can say i just think awesome. it's a choice i think it's a choice to to have faith. Awesome. Yeah. And I love what you said because it's not that I love what you, what you actually said. It's the fact that it's truth. Um, the grace does cover. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about, like you mentioned, the guilt, remember the enemy, what the scriptures say, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So his job is to yeah. always accuse us for every wrong that we've done so that we don't step into the act of grace that God gives. Because like you said, it's a choice. It's a choice for us to decide if we're going to allow ourselves to continue to be accused, to accuse ourselves for falling short or to tap into that grace. So well put. And um, I'm glad that, uh, you know, you, you've had strong friends, it sounds like, who may not have, have a, may not have had a flesh victory in, in that particular arena. But I'm glad that you covered those other flesh victories, pornography, you know, things of that nature, masturbation, because these things are real and they are corridors that open into unfortunate darkness. And that's why it's so important to tap into that grace, uh, confess and then tap into that grace, as you said. Yeah, not easy. And and I I can't imagine it would be easy for, you know, people who've been married before. I mean, you guys were married before and were single parents and then having to date again and like knowing what it was like to have a have a consistent sexual relationship with a spouse and then to not have that like I have not experienced that so kudos to you guys um for how you walked that journey I'm not that I know how you walked that journey but mm. well we tried and like I said there was some, and I'm, I'm I'm honest you know there were times we fell short and that's why I posed the question to you because when you fall short, though you're trying to do the right thing, it's, it's not that you want to repetitively keep doing it to abuse the grace, but it gets to a point where you say, look, you know, Lord, I really want this to be a, 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 a godly union. And therefore, I do want to be covered in grace and discipline and common sense. Because let's be real, some things are just mm-hmm. common sense. For, for the audience out there, as just as has, has been dis- discussing this, this topic, you know, if you're trying to do right, this is a relationship show and you, you want to be pure going into hopefully the next phase. Don't be with that person 12 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, two o'clock in the morning because right, you know, the boundaries, you know, and that's why I say sometimes it's the common sense factor that has to kick in as well. So we, we, mm. so we so enjoyed having you on the show today. You were a tremendous guest. I'm thinking that people are really going to enjoy this show and take a lot away from it um, to help them to feel a renewed sense of like how to date in a smarter way, um, a more loving way, a spiritual way. Um, thanks for bringing that context to it. Um, because I agree with you that there's different ways that coaches help people. And we talk to all kinds of coaches. And, and so I love just hearing the, the way you're, Philosophy has helped couples come together and get married and, Your and still maintain their values. You know, like that's, that's awesome. Yes. Can you tell people like where they can find you, um, how they can contact you if they're interested in your services? Well, yeah, absolutely. And Kay and Elizabeth, thank you so much for having me on this show. And I'm going to say it again. We're going to have another moment, but dateability.io. So date, D-A-T-E-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. Even though it's like written on my name, I still get stuck spelling it. Dateability.io. Uh, we just ha- released a new website. So uh, my old website had a bunch of blog posts on it. And anyway, but if you want to uh, read our posts um, and our thought little, little articles that on our instagram so instagram.com slash 
uh, underscore dateability. So that is where we are. And you can book a free love readiness assessment for an hour with myself or Ryan. So just by DMing us or clicking on the link in our bio on our link tree. And also we have a love, uh, a romantic intelligence quiz. So, you know, how romantically intelligent are you? So there you go. Oh, I like that. We might have to take that. (laughs) I always like to take these things, even though like when people come on the show, because I love to see what everyone is doing. So we'll see. I like to be tested sometimes. Yeah. So we'll see who's who's more romantic. (laughs) (laughs) We might have to have a little little contest there. Hey, it's it's only eight o'clock in the morning here, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Just kidding. Never too early. Never too late. We're married so we can talk like that. (laughs) Wow. So anyway, Jess, thank you so much for coming on to Bad Talks. For those of you who are listening, we'll be back with more, uh, you know, other shows that are be interesting and exciting. We've had some great guests, so we got to keep up this momentum, I guess, right? Yes. Um, but if you are interested in subscribing to future episodes of the podcast, you can do so on the Anchor app, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other platforms. We're going to take off for now. Until next time, guys, XOXO. Thank you, Jess. Thank you guys.